No, but, but the thing about Anadhan is uh, that but. because I usually don't like a lot of thriller films because I usually get like I get an idea of okay this is how it's going to end. So uh, because you always see yeah. I remember um there was this thing so when when I uh, entered my college and we had to give our uh, interviews and we had this group discussion kind of thing and uh, it, it was like a really nice idea which was basically that we had to solve a mystery. that there was this uh, we were given some clues and we had we were given a situation and we had to solve the mystery of who committed the crime and what was the murder weapon and uh, th- so that was the the thing given to us and i was the only one because i i've seen and read like a lot of like thrillers and like murder mysteries and those kinds of things so i was like oh this is exactly like uh, you know murder on the orient murder on uh, the nile or this is this is exactly like murder on the orient express so I was like oh this is how it this is how it happened so it, it was like uh, you know where you have again people who have not uh, seen or read murder on the orient express where you have more than one killers uh, so i mean uh, so it, it was that kind of a situation and it was it was very cool because i was like i just know this because i've read other things that this is borrowed from so i usually have a very tough time watching a thriller film because i always know oh because of this clue yeah this is going to happen or like it's going to end like this oh, or that person's the killer and uh, this is something that i had for like a lot of films in general but uh, i was very pleasantly surprised when i watched andhadun because i had no clue and it just kept like changing from like every 10 minutes it just keeps changing and uh, that was very cool i i, I had no expectations uh, from the film and i was extremely pleasantly surprised yep same here and a, a similar movie of that type that i watched recently is knives out i haven't if you've seen that one um yeah it, it's been recommended to me but i haven't seen it it has a really good cast and it has a really good story and uh, i mean it's also very original in its uh, storytelling and everything and that was also something that was like kept me on the hook i i never was oh this is how it happened like i mean i did have i like my prediction did come out to be true but uh, i was always questioning my guess and that's not something that usually happens a lot but it was cool mm, i like yeah it. yeah andadhun was like a really f- fresh way of watching a movie i guess because it it keeps the the audience engaged but it's it's almost like a tug of war and i really liked it it was i mean the, i think the best part about it is that they don't tell you the answer and i love that because yeah, it's like yeah. i mean these days a lot of movies tell you the answer they they ask you questions and then they tell you yeah. the answer and it's like either you were right or you were wrong but sometimes it's neither and i mean okay. it's kind of nice because it this this kind of takes me back to kind of, uh, what i was thinking about um uh, haruki murakami book that it mm. creates a lot of threads and at the end it only resolves like one or two which is very unlike hmm. a story generally you expect that the story yeah. will resolve almost all of the threads that they've created but the Correct. that book didn't and neither does andadhun and it's like it does hmm. it in a way that's also satisfying it doesn't leave you feeling like you know what 
that was a terrible movie and they don't know what they're doing because they didn't answer any of my questions you know the thing is i actually uh, there, there are a lot of really cool things in the screenplay as well so i found i got my hands on the screenplay for the film and i was reading that and i've read that and uh, it is like the way it's written is so like this the thing that you just mentioned of uh, you know the that they didn't know what they wanted to do with the thing and it's not like that like it's 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 written so like uh, in so much detail that uh, it's just i mean it's a really good screenplay to begin with and they've ended up making yeah. a really good film as well so so that's a review of uh, andhadhun 2 years after the fact yeah. i also got to watch <laughs> have you seen badlapur by the way i have not that's also a really good film that's also a very um, again not what you would expect okay. kind of a film but uh, i mean it's a it's a good one yeah. i like that also hmm, you were yeah. saying something so no i mean it's like it it's kind of funny that these couple of works have recently come into my life kind of like almost back to back so i mean the book and mm-hmm. then the movie it's like i'm seeing a trend of the kind of things i enjoy watching or reading and it's mm-hmm. nice because i haven't really been through these kinds of works before and it's a it's a different experience but it's very enjoyable the book i w- i mentioned was um the the haruki murakami book was holy crap i can't remember the name no hang on uh, oh it's the white bird chronicle <laughs> mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah and so so out of the three murakami books that i have read well four not considering the short stories hmm. i have to say my favorite is still norwegian wood but that's just because i really enjoy that slice of life kind of uh narration and kafka on the shore is a much more kind of um traditional book where it has a where it has a plot a quite straightforward plot i mean norwegian wood also has one and yeah. so does the wind up bird chronicle but they're way less straightforward than kafka on the shore kafka on the shore is very it has a direction that it's going in like you can tell that it has a direction whereas for the other two i could not tell that they were going in any particular direction and it's always like they're kind of just wandering down a maze like rather than there being a story mm-hmm. it's like the character is actually figuring things out as the story goes and that feels kind of nice right. to read i was listening to anthropocene reviewed yeah. by the way so that's mm-hmm. a really good recommendation and um i was listening to this episode about it was about harvey a movie called harvey yeah yeah and mm-hmm. it's a really nice like it's a really nice like review it it is yeah. and i mean i i love all of the reviews that john green has made so far and they've all been really nice but this one i don't know somehow like maybe because i'm hearing it so far after it has come out it's like i'm yeah i, I really enjoyed listening to it to the point that i really i want to watch that movie now 
and I, I also heard the one about the hot dog eating contest and mm-hmm. now it's like I have heard these reviews enough that now I'm starting to look at the way he kind of builds it like as an essay how he would write that thing mm-hmm. and I'm really fascinated by the way he kind of okay. just creates um, like he creates these side corridors that branch out from the main topic mm-hmm. and yeah. he goes down into those and he comes back out and then he goes into another side corridor and he explores those very nicely and he always finds some sort of meaning in them whether it's a little bit funny or whether it's very serious and often mm. the main topic kind of gets left by the wayside for these side corridors mm. but i there it's it's a really nice kind of way to just meander about a certain idea and i'm really liking the way that yeah. he does it I'm actually working on a uh, on a video for my YouTube channel which is going to be called Anthropocene Reviewed Reviewed where I'm actually going to do <laughs> I'm actually going to go through some of some of my most uh, you know some of my favorite moments of the podcast and talk about them in detail and uh, yeah I'm going to try to make it in the form of the podcast itself and uh, we'll see nice we'll see how that goes because i i i've really uh, i've really really liked the podcast uh, like anthropocene reviewed is really like one of my favorite podcasts like head and shoulders above the rest because it's so uh, personal and it it's still conversational it never feels that it, uh, he's trying to be just extremely profound or pretentious or anything it's always still very personal very simple very conversational it's funny at time but also <clears throat> it also makes yep. you cry at times and um, it's it's so unique in its uh, form and its content as well that it's 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 very like yep. it's very nice it's like it and his narration also has a certain quality that i can't really describe but mm. it it kind of makes you feel mm. uh, very comfortable while listening to these things like even though some of them might be like effects of horrible stuff that we've done to the planet or their reflections on how yeah. humanity has like effect affected their um, surroundings it's still like even even in the worst kinds of examples the, he has this kind of hope this little bit of like spark of hope yeah. for like okay you know what we've done all of those bad things we've invented bad stuff and like harmed the creatures around us mm. but there's like a shred of like we're not bad people like we are mm. we didn't mean to do it and everything isn't hopeless kind of which i really enjoy yeah it's it, it's never cynical or never like pessimistic uh, whatever the topic might be it's always hopeful in some way or uh, you know like he always uh, even the small clips of audio that he puts at the end they're also sometimes very effective like sometimes they're just funny but sometimes it's also very effective when he talks about a topic and then you have something that's very very simple but it just sort of brings everything together and it's yep. it's quite nice I really like I that. mean the the re- I really like the review about the yips which talks about a baseball player and his kind of story of like he had the yips and what he went through and things like that that was really enjoyable just to listen to 
but also kind of his ending for that podcast is is uh, like his endings in general are really good but i really remember the one that he uses for that episode where he talks about uh, the, the guy got the yips but the yips didn't get him and it's it's so it's so amazing <laughs> i thought about it for the next at least 20 minutes like i was driving a car when i was listening to that episode and mm-hmm. it was I don't know it was such a simple yet complex statement like I know I am I don't know I know I'm not making much sense but it it was it was a really nice way to even something even uh, so now you know that I don't really like uh, football so much but there's this episode uh, where he talks about penalty shootouts and in the process he talks about uh, his team and about AFC Wimbledon and how they came back right. into the leagues and all of that and it's so effective like i am not a sports fan but uh, that episode as well as uh, sports rivalries where he also talks about football and those two things are so like so amazing and like they they both just made me cry even though they're uh, about sports which i don't get and i don't understand why someone somebody would be so obsessed with penalty shootouts or with uh, you know sports rivalries but it's just still so effective because it talks about human nature mm-hmm. so really well that it's i mean it's very special i really like there that. is another quote that i have like i had to write it down because it was really good and this is from the episode about velociraptors mm. i think it's the same one velociraptors at harvey are in mm. one episode i believe but yeah yeah uh, so this is from the velociraptors review and it the, the line mm. is it, it's like history is new prehistory is newer and mm. i mean this these two sentences come after like a long explanation of like how we've just recently started understanding things and how like apparently the brontosaurus was at like it was considered a dinosaur but then at some point people thought it was like another dinosaur misidentified so it went back from like mm. it went from being a dinosaur to not being a dinosaur to being a dinosaur once again kind of the like pluto is going right now yeah. but let's not talk about that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll talk about that some other time. I really like uh, this. Uh, there's this one about whispering and the weather. So when he's talking about whispering, he talks about his son and how he, uh, how the only thing that he whispers into his son's ears is, "It'll be okay. It'll be all right." And that's something I've really taken to in the uh, in the last few days. I've been using it a lot because it it just seems like something very simple, but also something uh, you know. It's sort of like uh, this mm-hmm. too shall pass. uh but it's less profound but it's also simpler and it's 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 more comforting i find of uh, just it'll be all right it'll be all right it's, it, it's something that's very very uh, like very nice yep. yeah so my favorite podcast uh, five on five <laughs> <laughs> it's cool it's very i really like uh, I I like John Green's work in general. Like I was not a big fan of some of his books, but uh but some of his other books are yeah. like my favorite. I I also really like his internet stuff. I mean, I guess the podcast also counts as internet stuff. Yeah. But, um Vlog Brothers still counts. The, the just the sheer amount of stuff they put out on yeah, YouTube is and incredible. Yeah. I mean, 
besides those like those are kind of engaging on a day-to-day -day level where they're like five minute videos but i have really enjoyed his crash courses and mm -hmm. i don't know i mean they are really informative and they have like like they, you can mm -hmm. see that a lot of care has been put into making each video which is really surprising and really like kind of reassuring i have a minor squabble i have a minor squabble with uh, crash course uh, because uh, you know when i'm just listening to them just for the heck of it when when i'm just listening to them just for entertainment and fun then i'm like oh this is this is very informative i'm getting a lot of like a huge number of facts from like a big variety of things but uh, i've realized especially with crash course philosophy i think this was or even history when uh, i was studying for my test studying quote unquote uh, for my tests watching youtube videos they did not really help much because they're not very uh, like detail oriented or that they're, they're very you know it, it's uh, it's a kind of thing you want again it's it's a crash course so the it's is the kind of thing where if someone brought up a particular uh, event in history you can talk about it just enough so that you can show that you know about it or you've heard about it before but you can't really get into the nitty-gritties or you can't make a lot of conclusions about why what how uh, it, what were the consequences and all of that so it's not really helpful for that but it's a good crash course it's the kind of thing which um, helps you in conversational things when just topics come up um which is also uh, which is something that i also don't mind but it's just something that people should keep in mind so it, it's not like a complete um a, a replacement for like proper history books and proper um research about things even a wikipedia article might have more information than uh, a crash course history or a crash course whatever topic but it, it is more approachable yeah and i mean fun. that's kind of the point like you can't really cram a lot of information into it because after a point you just kind of um you kind of exceed the viewers i don't know ability to receive information and true that is, that's also true I, i'm guessing like most of the people who kind of approach it don't aren't really looking for a deeper more like analysis of cause and effects they just kind of want to know what just happened and like a basic idea i mean mm -hmm. the title is self-explanatory so yeah, i don't yeah. blame them like i think like i mean i've watched a couple mm -hmm. other crash courses as well like not just by john green but um, mm -hmm. a few other ones and they live up to their name which i think is more than enough and pretty mm -hmm. pretty satisfying anyway uh, i have like i just realized that when i i was going through the oscars nom nominations for this year i i think yeah. i saw in in the i think it was the best score or soundtrack category i think i saw okay avengers and um let me see if it's, i can find no, it no this star wars an original score uh avengers i think is only in uh, vfx visual effects yeah avengers end game oh is it not in sc original score no that star wars the rise of skywalker ah okay john williams of course of course of course of course i mean i haven't seen that movie but like of course john williams 
and yeah uh the other thing i realized like looking at the original score right now alexander despla mm-hmm. I, i don't know if i'm saying his name right but has yeah. uh he has composed the score for little women which mm-hmm. again makes me even more excited really good to watch score. it because i have loved yeah, yeah. his couple of other musical works as well so hmm John Williams by the way um I'm just trying to find a, a good number but yeah he's been nominated 52 times for an Oscar John Williams <laughs> I have 52 Oscar nominations that man yeah <laughs> I, I'm kind of glad that I have like I have no idea how to compose or like I have no clue because if that was like anywhere related to what I enjoy doing it's like yeah you would be standing next to a mountain his first one was 1968 and he's basically been nominated every year or every second year 1968 70 72 73 74 75 76 78 79 i mean it's just crazy <laughs> and like really iconic tracks they're not just like awarded tracks they're like really like really iconic like uh, he's done jaws he's done the original star wars he's done the original superman he's done raiders of the lost ark he's done et he's done uh, the subsequent star wars of course and uh, the subsequent indiana jones films he's also done home alone jfk schindler's list like schindler's list um he's done amistad saving private ryan uh, harry potter and the sorcerer's stone um harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban the best uh, harry potter film um <laughs> he's also done more recently the adventures of tintin lincoln and the last three star wars films wow oh, wow <laughs> okay i'm not going to look he's he's almost like uh, ennio morricone na i think ennio morricone is the most uh, uh, nominated um person for an oscar without a win and uh, till last year when he won uh, till last to last year when he won for uh, uh hateful eight okay ennio morricone is the the guy who did uh, the sergio leone films the good the bad the ugly and those kinds of things and uh, he was born in 1928 so composers uh, you can't touch them Ennio Morricone just again facts uh he has f- 519 credits as composer <laughs> <laughs> Does this man not eat uh, <laughs> crazy Amazing John Williams has 158 credits as composer. That's like more than 3 times. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> How are you feeling about yourself today? 
I feel very confident. <laughs> Here I am sitting in the, uh, you know, with these posters of films behind me. Like, how am I going to... Okay, they were they were supposed to be there to inspire me. I don't think they are inspiring me anymore. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like that moment when um, in, in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it's like Jake Peralta starts thinking about something. I forgot what the scene was, but he's like, oh my God, too deep, too real. It's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you just kind of like start that. like falling back in your chair slowly. Yeah. And you know, the thing is, most of the things are behind me. So when I'm working, I don't really see all of them. Like, I don't see things like uh, Roma and Avengers and things like that. But the one that's still in my vision, uh, that's in my field of vision, is Apocalypse Now. And that is one movie when I saw it, I was... I'd, I'd seen it before, but when I saw it recently again, I was like... I don't think a movie like this can be made today. Like, even with budgets of Avengers Endgame, I don't think anyone can make an apocalypse now in 2020, in the in the 21st century. It's so crazy and so just mind-blowing that, uh, yeah, kuch hone wala hai ne. <laughs> On that humbling note, like, <laughs> I just realized that um, it's still not dark outside mm-hmm. and... I mean, I'm really happy about that because it's like the daylight hours are increasing now mm-hmm. and yep, it feels like we're going towards some semblance of normalcy or like we are rejoining um, the the rest of the world at large, uh, slowly kind of like merging into reality. Mm-hmm. So, oh, have you seen the new uh, Virda stand-up? I haven't. So it's a new one. It came out this week. It's called For India. And uh, it's really funny. I really liked it. And, uh, you know, there's this one bit near the end, um, which is uh, which is really interesting. It's not something that I'd thought of before. So he talks about uh, the famous speech, Trist with Destiny, that Pandit Jawaharlal Nehru gave um, during our independence. Uh, in 1947 so the speech uh, it basically has these like really iconic words to begin with like at the stroke of the midnight hour while the rest of the world sleeps india will rise to a new day and like you know all that jazz and um he's he's like at the stroke of the midnight hour while the world is asleep but it's midnight in india so it's like two o'clock in california (laughs) it's like evening in london (laughs) So nobody's really sleeping. <laughs> and yeah, it, it, the, the, you know, it just reminded me of that when you said um, you're joining society now. Mm-hmm. Also, may I suggest that you eat slightly less crispy, crunchy foods when we're t- trying to record a podcast? <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I can't help it. I you're literally eating biscuits food. and kurkure or some uh, Cheetos. I don't know what you're eating. But <laughs> I'm eating pretzels. <laughs> and they are delicious. Incredible. <laughs> well, that's the only thing I had at like short notice. Mm-hmm. So next time I will get quieter snacks. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing more than gummy bears and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or juices. Or maybe I'll just get... Yeah. Just juice. Mm. 
although i do like chips so we'll see <laughs> yeah you keep you keep this up and you're going to be the only one editing the podcast <laughs> it's it's like that episode uh, in how i met your mother um, yes from how i met your mother where it, they, they talk about people chewing loudly yeah lily aldrin loud chewer oh by the way i finished uh, watching the first season of atlanta and it's really good i really liked it um and uh, it's really funny and it's like it's like it's like satire it's like pure satire it's it, it reminds me of uh, it's always sunny in philadelphia which is funny because both of them come on the same uh, channel in the us at least fx so i i'm guessing i'm going to look up more fx shows because i like their you know style of comedy it's very satirical and it's especially there's this one episode uh, called ban ban as in black america network is the title of the episode where they've done basically like um, if you had like a special specialty show um in america but it was on a black network so all the ads are uh, like made for african americans so you ha- you have like different issues you have like uh, so they've actually made like an entire they've made ads for dodge charger and things like that and they've done like an entire episode where they're talking about uh, about you know the um, so it's about the rap scene so it's about this rapper who's uh, being sort of um, he's being confronted for uh, using you know for using um, profanity on twitter and uh, it's quite a nice episode it's very satirical it's very tongue in cheek in some senses and uh, yeah i like it okay it's on netflix right mm-hmm. <laughs> at least not in india Okay. I mean, anyway, the odds of me watching something are horribly low at this point anyway. So we will see. But yeah, it sounds really interesting and especially because is is it written by Donald Glover? Some of the episodes are written is, by right? him, uh, some of the episodes are directed by him, but not all. Okay. And uh, okay. the and he's like the creator, he's the showrunner of the thing. Okay. Yeah, so that kind of makes it more interesting for me to watch that and he's acting in it also and and he's really good in it like of course yeah yeah i nice. i watched the recent season of rick and morty recently. okay there is i don't know if you know but there's like a new five episode season 4 no i i think i've seen the first ago. two seasons i might have seen the third one um it, it was it was the novelty was there like during first season but then yeah. it wore off it, it just got a little annoying uh, some of the idiosyncrasies of the characters just got to me i was like i can't deal with this yeah i don't blame you i mean some of the stuff isn't great hmm. but recently i don't remember when but for some reason we started watching it again hmm. and because of that i i realized like there were some bits that i didn't remember which which like on the second watch have like more punch to them hmm. than the actual jokes they're going for mm-hmm. and those are like some cleverly crafted parts of like dialogue or story or whatever and it was nice hmm. so have you watched futurama yeah, so i w- i haven't 
Futurama is really I, good I because it's sort of in that same genre of animated science fiction uh, kind of a thing. And I think uh, Futurama is funnier A and is also um, less about less of a shock factor, which I think uh, Rick and Morty goes for a few times. Um, and Futurama, yeah. it's really good. I like it more than, you know, The Simpsons because it, it's it's very intelligent when it does stuff now. And uh, some of the episodes are really, really, uh, like, really cool, where you see, uh, you know, how things have changed through history. So, you know the main plot of the the series, no? I don't. So, it, it's it's written and uh, d- um, produced by Matt Groening, who made uh, The Simpsons. So after that, he was he was very pissed off by the Simpsons people and like they're they're just making it like unfunny and whatever. So he moved on to make Futurama and uh, Futurama is basically the series. So there's this guy called uh, there's this guy who um, who lives in the current age, like contemporary, and uh, he he he's like a pizza delivery boy. And he gets, he goes to this uh, lab or something and then he gets stuck in this machine which uh, which is like a hibernating pod um, that, you know, you have, uh, you know, th- these ideas where people, when they are dead, they're, they're going to preserve them and like cryogenically fro- freeze them and they'll come back whenever, you know, we have a solution for immortality or like things like that. So there's like this pod, hibernating pod. So he gets stuck in that and then he comes back to, again, from his sleep, like a thousand years in the future. So he's stuck in the future and like things have progressed. So even if you watch the first episode itself, it it communicates this really well. And it's very funny while doing like really um, like science fiction stuff. And it delves with a lot of, you know, parallel worlds and time travel and, you know, space travel and all of those concepts and aliens and all of that concept. But uh, it does it by not alienating the viewers. Um... (laughs) Yeah, and, and it's, it's it's really funny overall. And also one more thing, just because we're on the topic of Futurama, and I bring this up whenever I've talked about Futurama with anyone, the, the title track for Futurama always reminds me of uh, the main riff from uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. So yeah, you should try watching Futurama, it's quite nice. I think you'd like it. Okay, yeah. I mean, the only reason that I restarted watching Rick and Morty was because um, recently we've played a couple of board games which were Rick and Morty themed and mm-hmm. I I mean since we played that it kind of refreshed my memory about the characters and the kind the events that happen in them and that's mm-hmm. I think that's why I started watching it again but like the TV show aside mm-hmm. playing those board games has made me realize that like board games are a lot of fun like they are very underrated Mm -hmm. and I mean maybe it's because we kind of feel like like board games are for children and they're like snakes and ladders or Ludo or like things we played when we were kids but Mm -hmm. apparently I mean I say apparently because I myself didn't know this until recently there are board games that are much Mm -hmm. more complex and that are not intended for like yeah. kids seven, and it's like mm-hmm. it, it was it was a really nice kind of 
realization and now that we've played these games a few times i really enjoy mm-hmm. the game and mm. it's it's a little slow like many of these games that we play it's like they're a little slow and um they take time to kind of get used to the rules and like to get into the groove of it but once mm-hmm. you do right it's so much fun and mm. i honestly just kind of like the the wholesome nature of it because the mm. kind of board games that i think about when i think about like for people our age or older yeah. it's mm-hmm. like they're like scrabble or monopoly or jenga and these are the board games that are, you like you usually find i don't know in in like hostels and like right. just cafes or like this is the general expectation more or less but mm-hmm. there are more creative um more challenging i guess board mm-hmm. games out there and i don't know i'm really i'm really having a good time just playing those and mm-hmm. it's been a nice realization so much so that i think like from now on i will try to find or try to keep an eye out more for such kinds of games and usually they come in like these themes so mm-hmm. like i said uh, i played a game which had a rick and morty theme to it Mm-hmm. So the basic structure is something called a munchkin board game. Okay. And it's basically like uh, it's where you have a few people and each person is a character. Mm-hmm. So you have like character cards and they have certain like properties or they have certain powers so to speak. Mm-hmm. And at least in the Rick and Morty version it's like you have to go through the portal every time you play and mm-hmm. you have to face a monster and you have to defeat it and then there are there are like peripheral things you can do so you can ask for help hmm while defeating a monster and then you can mess with other players so it's not just that you're playing on your own it's like you can directly interfere with another person's yeah. play or like their trajectory mm-hmm. and that kind of interaction makes it a whole lot more fun so That's I've cool. been really enjoying playing those and I highly recommend it because mm-hmm. I don't know I mean I kind of miss this kind of wholesome fun that mm. has gone away That's cool it's very nice Uh these days we've been doing a lot more like card games and uh, board games as well but mostly card games So and that's cool because the thing is now recently what we've been like we've not really played like physical games like we're just playing virtual games so even uh, whenever like friends meet you play uh, like me and my one of my friends we play chess whenever there's like events happening and we're not interested we we play chess but we play, play it on the phone so it never feels like you're actually like moving things around and uh, you know in a similar way you have uh, just monopoly also like our monopoly deal which is the the card game which we've played uh, during our kodai canal thing uh, so that's something that we've been playing and it's become really popular and it it's a lot a lot of fun because this is like the way uh, you know it, because when you're playing things which is not with electronic things uh you keep your phone aside so you're you're not thinking of that and it, it it almost feels like it's it's so classic because 
uh, it's not going to be aged by so if you take pictures of you playing a board game or a card game like that picture is going to be the same as piece of people playing that game in like 20 years ago and playing it 40 years ago and playing it 20 years in the future it's going to be the same whereas if you have uh, like like me and my friend we are playing chess on the phone that's different uh, and that version of chess might change because it's uh, by a particular uh, you know game maker and uh, then there's someone else who makes it so even things like even video games for that reason like things like tetris also they keep changing the way the way i played tetris first was very different from the way the the tetris app on your android phone plays and it's and it feels like it keeps changing so you get updates but it also doesn't feel timeless anymore it feels very you know fixed in time at one particular point whereas you can play a uh, a game of rummy or a a game of you know the a game of uno and it's it's the same and it 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 feels nice to have things that are consistent and that don't change a lot recently uh speaking of uno so it like uh, i you you kind of sparked a memory about like Uno the a game of Uno that I played a couple of months ago mm-hmm. and it I I have to say that hands down it is the most interesting game of Uno that I have played in my life mm-hmm. because there were so many rules mm. and maybe they are a part of like the original Uno although some of those I doubt but I can't be too sure because I haven't read the rule book mm-hmm. but it was it was so much fun because i th- i think the highlight of that game for me was that even if you like even if you manage to get rid of all your cards you're never really out of the game oh and it was it, it was um it, it was an event in mm-hmm. and of itself uh-huh and <laughs> i i mean i feel really fortunate that i got to play it but at the same time it was super confusing uh-huh. and, and <laughs> that has to be like mm. a really crazy game that so yeah but i yeah i, I realized like uno and like these board games like they, they can go beyond you know monopoly because honestly like after a point monopoly gets got boring or it got repetitive mm. and the same thing goes for most of the board games that people play as adults and there was enough variety when we were kids yeah the the thing is now i don't think it's something even a even a game like carrom or uh, you know like these games that we've played in our childhood they feel like things that i don't think i could play every day because again time nahi hai or like even even once a week is very very like Uh, close to impossible but like whenever there is time especially yeah. like on train rides or when you you have like a game night with your friends it's it's good to just play play a couple of rounds of these games and it it just sparks back uh, memories of older games and also it makes memories of these games and it, again yeah. it feels timeless that's also my that's my um, reasoning for a lot of things in life 